Welcome into the Card Chronicle podcast. Rutherford and Danny Sennard here with you. Not exactly an emergency CC podcast, call it that, but the very rare Sunday edition of the Card Chronicle podcast. There's been a lot going on in the world of global basketball over the last uh, three, four days or so. Felt the need to kind of hop on here today and break it down just a little bit before we get into any of the, the stuff going on. Danny, how are you up in Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. It seems like that we have a very crucial next week in Cardinal basketball coming up. And obviously there's you know, there's other stuff that's going on that that we'll dive into, but um, definitely not a, a boring weekend when it comes to U of L athletics. But um, yeah, I, I, you can tell we're starting to get towards March. Things are getting a little bit more tense, um, and I, I, I hope uh, you know we can kind of move past whatever happened last night. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the. I mean, not quite historic, I guess, but. Blowout loss to North Carolina on Saturday night. That was the worst Louisville loss since uh, before World War II, shockingly. Shout out to Kelly Dickey for that stat. We're going to talk about the uh, the video that has been making its rounds throughout this morning and is probably going to be talked about tomorrow, I would guess. It's going to be the one of the big focal points on local radio. We'll get into all that stuff. But before we do that, I have to start, I guess, the what was the big story of the week, which was what went down from Wednesday to Friday and the confusion about health and COVID and is Louisville on a pause? Are they off a pause? The last time we did a pod, Dan, uh, we were previewing the Syracuse game on Wednesday night, a game which wound up not happening. This is the the preeminent podcast when it comes to previews of games that don't actually wind up coming to fruition. Uh, shout out to, we, we should say, shout out to anybody who listened to the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> that the game was, was going to be canceled. There were a few people who were like, Whatever, I'm listening to this. I know you guys are talking about a game that's not going to happen, but I still want to hear what you had to say. Appreciate that. Uh, the numbers were shockingly not that far down from our usual podcast numbers. So either a lot of you guys listened to that before you knew the game was canceled or you just said, fuck it, I want to listen to Mike and Dan be stupid anyway. Uh, so we really, really appreciate that. But I guess let's talk about what went down behind the scenes, uh, a little bit of peeling the curtain back as far as what I know about Wednesday through Saturday and how we got to this point. And again, this is this is my understanding of, of what went down here. So Wednesday morning, a player who had po- previously tested positive for COVID-19 had, had, had had COVID. I think at this point, I know Chris Mack has gotten a lot of heat over the 90% of our players had COVID uh, comment from a few weeks ago and everybody's saying, well, how is that possible that we're still having pauses? My understanding at this point is that just one player on this team has not had COVID now. So protect that man at all costs. Uh, Try to guess who it is. If you correctly do so, we'll give you 50 cron points at the end of the season. (laughs) What what a year that this is. My God. I mean, mean, what are we doing? Every now and then you hear yourself. I I hear myself say two sentences. I'm like, is this fucking real life? Like, like, what what world are we living in here? But. So a player, a Wednesday morning, when Syracuse already arrived, everybody's getting ready for the game. Louisville's starting to do its, its pregame routine. A positive test comes in for a player who had previously had COVID months ago. That becomes an issue, obviously. You, you've got to quarantine the player, and then there becomes contact tracing issues. And, and these players who were going to miss this game were key guys, one of them a very, very key guy. So... Syracuse game is off. That's there's nothing Louisville can do about it. I know it sucks that the Orange had already made the trip. 
And I, I shout out to my guy Logan Wade who pointed this out on Twitter. Because of the fact that Louisville was set to play Syracuse in last year's ACC tournament on the day it got canceled, this marks three straight Louisville-Syracuse games that were canceled on the day that they were supposed to be played. Um, we made the trip up there last month. They made the trip down here this month and the tournament game. So all those games get knocked out. So now it becomes an issue of what does Louisville do moving forward? They've already had five games canceled now or postponed, however you want to phrase it. We're going up three weeks of the pause. Is this going to be another two-week pause? Louisville's kind of trying to figure out what to do here. The player who had tested positive on Wednesday, and again, this was a test from a previous day, so it's not like Louisville knew this was happening or you know whatever and just said, to hell with Syracuse, we're going to make them travel, come in here. That player winds up testing negative both Thursday and Friday. So they're thinking it's a false positive from Wednesday. The guys who were going to have to sit out for contact tracing issues, they're good to go. Like We should be fine. Where my confusion comes in, and I think where Chris Mack's confusion was obvious on Friday night when he had his his virtual press conference, is there was some sort of conflict between Louisville's team doctors and I guess the ACC officials who who have established these protocols that are in place. I, I don't know exactly what the confusion was. My guess is it was all about can this player who tested positive play on Saturday? Can the guys do the contact tracing rules apply when it was a, a apparent false positive? Like that is where I don't really know what went down. Long story short, whole team besides Aiden Gahan makes the trip to to North Carolina. And Aiden Gahan, as Chris Mack pointed out Friday night, not dealing with a COVID related issue, uh, dealing with a, a different illness. He and Josh Nickelberry wind up being the only players who aren't available uh, for the trip and all the walk-ons, none of them made it. Uh, they held them back. Shout out to Hogan Orball. I thought you were going to win this game for us. Didn't wind up saying that you will live to play another day. But so, I mean, just it's so bizarre that we have to try and make sense out of all this. And you heard Mac Friday night, if you listened to the press conference or, or read the quotes, like he was just as confused as anybody. Uh, he's getting told, you know, these guys have to be out. These guys can't practice. And then, bam, 48 hours later, these guys should be good to go. But then the ACC says maybe they're not good to go. We've got to follow the protocols that are in place. It's just I can't imagine trying to maintain any semblance of momentum when that's going on. And I mean, even though the players who were held out on Wednesday morning, even though that they it was a shorter amount of time than the players who've been held out for the past 17 days, they still missed all, all the practice on Wednesday. They still missed all the practice on Thursday. They still missed all the practice on Friday. And they traveled to Chapel Hill not fully knowing whether or not they were even going to be able to play. With all that being the case, it's a, it, it's understandable, and we're going to talk about the game itself here in a second, it's understandable why Louisville looked at least a little bit shell-shocked last night. That's a, a, that's a wild four-day span to try and you know maintain a level head during. Yeah, no, I mean... Chris Mack, I mean, when he chose his job as a profession of a basketball coach, um, I guarantee he had no idea all this other stuff would come to the forefront and he would become, you know, almost, I don't want to say a babysitter, but I mean, you know, having to keep track of every little thing that goes on with, with the kids in the program. I mean, you do want to keep track of your players, but this is just a different animal um, he, he, he looked pretty worn down, at, at least like talking about it on the press conference on Friday. And there's no way him or the coaching staff 
probably went in Saturday with a with a good feeling. It almost seemed like um, you know the battle was so uphill before the game even started. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to make excuses, but uh, that's just kind of the vibe I got um, going into the game, at least. It's a reasonable excuse to a, a certain point. Like, I, I think that you have to, I mean, not just guys who have been sitting out. I mean, we had multiple players who I think quite literally got back on the court Friday for the first time in three weeks or in 18 days. And like, that's going to take a toll on you when you are in the rhythm of the season, even when you're in the rhythm of the off season, if you break anybody who's, and I'm not, I'm the last person in the world who should be making this comparison. But if you've done like a hardcore workout regimen or anything that you've ever done consistently, you know, that when you just miss a couple of days, it completely throws you off. I mean, if you're a, a knockdown outside shooter and you're not allowed to do your, your standard three point shooting routine for a week, you've got, it, it takes a while to regain that muscle memory. It takes a while to get back into that flow and again, none of this is a full excuse for Louisville losing by a billion points, but it is it is kind of an excuse for Louisville looking shaky and going up against a, a North Carolina team that it should be said is a bad matchup for Louisville on a on a perfect day. It's a terrible matchup for Louisville when they're trying to get their legs underneath them and they've been kind of in a constant state of flux for the past three weeks. We talked before the Syracuse game on the podcast that uh, previewed a game that didn't happen about how it was kind of a maybe the perfect matchup for a team coming out of a COVID pause just because they sit back in that 2-3 zone. You can sort of play them at the pace that you want to. North Carolina, polar opposite. They're always going to press. They're always going to have that secondary break. They're always going to to play pressure defense. They want to play at the fastest pace possible. And even though this UNC team doesn't quite play at as breakneck a speed as, as some of the Roy Williams teams of year past, they're still, I think, the second fastest in tempo in the ACC behind only Boston College. And Roy, knowing that Louisville was a little bit shorthanded and probably a little bit winded, busted out a full court press sometimes. He was even more, I think, willing to, to push the guys off of makes and even some misses sometimes or misses and even some makes sometimes. Getting my words uh, all messed up. But he wanted them to play fast. He wanted to use a bunch of guys. They're really deep. They play a bunch of players, that multiple double-digit minutes. And it was just a... It was an odd setup for Louisville to go into this game. I think I texted you and our buddies in the group, like, I think we're going to get run out of here. I was talking more about, like, a 20-point loss, not necessarily a, what was it, 47 points, 45 points uh, when all was said and done. Uh, I I guess that leads us into the actual game discussion. I mean, how differently do we look at this game compared to the Wisconsin game from December when they were coming off a break, or do we just sort of look at it the same way? I don't know. I mean, it it really is tough um, because, like, just some of the signs that games we, we have struggled, even when we haven't been on pause, showed up a little bit. You know, not being able to play well on the road, um, you know, bad shooting from the outside. But, again, I mean, it, it just depends on what you want to do. If you want to build in excuses, you know, and you, I guess you have the right to, then I, I totally get it. But there, there's something to be said. I mean, even if you're on pause, it, it's a little dis, it's a little concerning that we don't have a team talented enough to just be able to roll the balls out there and like keep the game somewhat respectable. I mean, you would hope a program like Louisville has the talent, even if they do take like a two week pause, to not go in places and lose by 40. And that's happened twice. And that to me says a little bit that 
we're such like a um, a team that relies on a system so much um, that if something goes, you know, something goes wrong with that system, it just seems like everything, you know, shit hits the fan um, quickly. But I don't know. I mean, I, I went into last night, I texted you before the game and I said, no matter what, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get frustrated. But I mean, and then you, I mean, there's one thing to like not get mad and frustrated, but I mean, that was an absolute beatdown. I, I mean, it, it, I don't want to say, I mean, you can say they gave up or whatnot, but my God, they, they looked horrible. But give Carolina credit. They looked good. And I thought Roy coached, like you said, a pretty good game. Yeah, via Kelly Dickey again, Louisville's 45-point margin of defeat was its most lopsided loss since they lost to Cincinnati in January of 1939. That was eight months <laughs> start of World War II was the last time that Louisville was dealt a defeat quite this bad. And I'm with you. I mean, there are valid excuses if you want. I mean, excuse is such a, a hot-button word these days, I feel like. But there are valid excuses for why Louisville – would lose that game fairly handily last night. There are not valid excuses for the team just looking like they couldn't give a shit less for basically the last two, 10 minutes of both halves. I mean, it became, it was a joke. I mean, North Carolina and North Carolina is squarely on the bubble. I don't fault them for trying to run it up a little bit. They're, you know, just dunking all over us up 45 that they're continuing to have ball pressure on the defensive side of the ball. Like it just, it was such a, at a certain point, the excuse runs out, and there's no excuse for guys just looking like they want to be doing anything other than playing basketball at that moment, and it was uh, a, a real, real bad night, which kind of leads me to one of the pregame discussions on Friday when there was some, still some murkiness about whether or not this game was going to be played or whether or not it should be played. There was a debate amongst Louisville fans about if this team is going to be so shorthanded that they have a very little margin for error, a very little chance of winning – should you even make the trip if that's a possibility? If it's a possibility to pull out and try to postpone this or just wait till till Tuesday against Notre Dame, should you not play? Should you should you play? And one of the most constant arguments or consistent arguments that you would hear during this time was a loss here doesn't hurt you. You know, this is a quadrant one opportunity. It's a road game against a top 40 team in the net. If you win it, fantastic. If you lose it, not going to hurt you. Bullshit. <laughs> like the, yeah. every loss helps you a little bit or every win helps you a little bit. Doesn't matter who it comes over. Every loss hurts you a little bit. There are sizable losses. There are sizable wins. There's no such thing as a, you know, doesn't hurt you at all loss or a doesn't help you at all win. That's not how these works. You're, you're, every little thing goes into these net ranking formulas. And if you want to know, if you wanted to just completely blow up the myth that this, this loss is not going to hurt you, look at the net rankings from this morning. Louisville drops 21 spots in the net. They go all the way down from uh, number 32 to number 53. In Kent Palm, they drop 33 spots. They are down from number 30 to number 53. They're behind Kentucky now in Ken Palm's rankings. And Ken Palm, some of these other uh, predictive analytics, they do come into play. They're not as big as the net, but they are on the team sheet that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses. This loss really hurt Louisville. The margin really hurt Louisville and Louisville now finds itself in a position where if they're not able to find its footing almost immediately and win Tuesday night against Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that has been markedly better over the last month, not only are you squarely on the NCAA tournament bubble, you may be on the wrong side of the NCAA tournament bubble with three very tough games to end the season. I mean, all of a sudden Duke, since they lose Jalen Johnson, they're rolling. They beat Virginia uh, last night. 
they're talking about potentially being back in the NCAA tournament discussion. Virginia Tech and Virginia are two of the three best teams in the league. That's how you end the year. If you don't win at least one of those games, uh, I mean, you're really up against it in the ACC tournament. This was a big night for Louisville, not necessarily just the, the fact that they lost to North Carolina, but the way that it happened hurt them in the computer rankings, and I think it probably hurt them mentally a little bit. Those guys looked just defeated uh, when all was said and done Saturday night. This is a, like Chris Mack said during his press conference after the game, these next two days are the biggest days of practice of the entire year. Yeah, I mean, they have really put themselves in a dire position for these last, you know, four games. And, I mean, like you said, Notre Dame, is they're playing a lot better. We obviously saw what Duke did to Virginia yesterday. Um, I mean, there's no denying I'm nervous right now. I mean, we went from like a month ago, you know, feeling good and just comfortable about talking, you know, what seed we're going to be the NCAA tournament to, I mean, quite frankly, it feels like we're about to hold on for dear life here. Um, I mean, Tuesday, I mean, what I, I know you make fun of when people say this is a must win. Um, but I mean, it's a must win. We can't lose Tuesday. Um, cause I mean, the last three games are for sure. I mean, and all four games are going to be tough really, but yeah, I mean, as fans, I guess, I mean, I get caught up just like the rest of us. Like I want to see the team play. So when it came to the game yesterday, you know, when there was debate whether the team should play or not, of course I want to watch us play, but again, I'm not with the team. I don't know the team, like the coaching staff does and, whether that proved to be a, you know, a, a bad decision to play that game, um, you know, I, you can leave that up to whoever. But it will be nice that we're able to go back to, you know, the Yum Center on Tuesday because we have just played remarkably better um, at home than on the road. So, I mean, I don't, they got they got their backs up against the wall, so they better fucking strap it up these next two days and get ready. Yeah, I guess if you're looking for something encouraging, some positive note to take from all this. Go back to the last time Louisville came off pause. They look eerily similar in that loss to Wisconsin. I mean, it was basically a carbon copy, although I think the the Wisconsin game was bad right off the bat. Like, like Wisconsin comes out hitting everything. Louisville looks just totally listless, and I think Wisconsin was up like 20-2 to two at some point. Louisville actually, for the first 10 minutes last night against North Carolina, I was really pleasantly surprised. They It went, it went downhill after the Car Lake mislay. Yep. I was it like, really, oh, my God. <laughs> it, it was kind of like the uh, the Carlick not passing, uh, botching the two-on-one against Florida State, where like like we almost had a chance to get back in that game. And then right after that blown, uh, easy opportunity happened, FSU just blew the doors off us. But, yeah, last night Louisville fights back. It was 14-7 early. They tie the game at 17. Carlick Jones has a wide-open layup to give Louisville the lead. Doesn't happen. Uh, Carolina goes on a big run. And then after that, it's basically over. The Wisconsin game was just bad from start to finish. But... After that Wisconsin game, Louisville, three days later, same exact setup. They go Saturday, Tuesday. They go on the road. They play a shorthanded pit team. They don't play particularly well, but they still win that game by 10 points. Beat Kentucky after that. Win at Boston College after that. Have what is still, I think, their most impressive win of the season uh, over Virginia Tech after that. And then win at Wake Forest before that awful game against Miami. So they reeled off five straight wins after being humiliated by Wisconsin. So... They've kind of been here before. I know that the like all the details of the first COVID pause aren't exactly in line with the details of the second COVID pause. But my point is they've had this same level of 
controversy, and it's probably not the right word, but they've had the same level of controversy, and they've clawed their way out of the hole and kind of gotten back on the right side. They've been able to, to regain their positive momentum somehow. I'm with you. Like, I, I never use the phrase must-win game unless it's quite literally a must-win game where if you lose it, your season's over. But if they lose this one and they stare down three really tough games to end the regular season, that's just a spot that you don't want to put yourself in. But, I mean, do you think that they take anything away from having been in a very similar position almost exactly two months ago? I mean, that's a good question. I I, I think we're going to be going up a against a much tougher opponent. I think Notre Dame, the way they're playing is, is going to be a lot harder game than when we caught Pitt shorthanded. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're going to have to be a lot more sharp than we were that Pitt game. Um, but I don't know. I mean – I'm like, maybe this is like, I look at Notre Dame and I'm like, is this an okay matchup for us? I know they're playing better, but Notre Dame's not really an overly physical type of team. And those are the teams it seems that we've struggled with really since Chris Mack's been here. Um, I know they can shoot it well. Dane Goodwin, shout out Upper Arlington, Columbus, Ohio alum. Um, He's had a really good season. But yeah, I mean... I don't know. I know I'm nervous. I mean, I'm like, this will easily be the most angst I have going into a game all year. And it sucks because in the middle of this, we're, we're trying to work in Malik Williams, who, I mean, he had a couple moments last night, but you could tell he was definitely rusty, um, definitely a step slower. Um, But these are the times you need the guys that have been there all year to step up. I mean, last night, Jalen Withers, quite frankly, looked like he would rather be anywhere else in the game. It was an awful performance from him. I don't want to single him out because I know the whole team played well, but he, especially those first, you know, 10, 20 minutes, I mean, he must have given up five offensive rebounds and I was getting pissed. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I think we can take something away in the fact that, hey, we know that we can do this. We've, we've won games coming out of this after the big loss, but we're going to have our work cut out for us. Yeah, I do think Notre Dame is a – it's not a terrible matchup for Louisville. Like you said, that they're, they're not overly imposing inside, which is an issue for Louisville. They also don't like – they're not going to get up and down quite as much as, as Carolina or some of the other faster teams in the ACC. They, they do push tempo a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be an issue – uh, quite as much of an issue for a local team that's still trying to find its footing. I One last thing on the North Carolina game, just because you said it, and I, I do think it's worthy of pointing out. From my understanding, Jalen Withers and Dre Davis were not two of the players affected by any of this stuff over the last few weeks. I don't really understand why they looked like they were on Mars for basically this entire game. Like, they... they They've got to be better. And I know that they're smaller than both Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott and also the guys that Carolina's bringing off the bench. But, like, my goodness. Like, they, they were getting lost defensively. They were non-factors on offense. They were just – they weren't where they needed to be. It wasn't just a matter of Carolina being bigger on some of those offensive rebounds early in the game. Our guys were just out of position. And, and some of it looked due to just blatant lack of effort. Like, we can't beat anybody. Carolina – COVID pause, whatever. I don't care what the situation is. We can't beat anybody when those two guys are that lackluster. Like they've got to be better. And and it just it, it can't come and go. For I think Dre Davis is his effort is always pretty good. Jalen Withers has times, and, and Mac has said this himself, 
where he's just not ready to play. And that can't happen anymore. He's a super talented kid. He's, I think, going to be a tremendous college player. But the focus and the effort can't be one-off things. They, they, they can't be here one day, gone the next. And like I, like I said, like, I don't think we beat UNC on a perfect scenario night if those two are playing the way that they did in that game. That's gotta, they've got to get whatever's going on fixed. Yeah, no, I, you hit it on the head. And, I mean, the last thing I'll say about kind of where we're at as a team, I mean, like, whether you can speculate or not that DJ was one of the ones that has had to sit out and not practice or he has practice, it, it's, it's time now. I mean, he cannot have any more off games. I mean, from here on out, he needs to be consistent. We can't have any more six-point efforts. We can't have the careless turnovers. You know, he's – almost to the end of his sophomore year, you know, whether that's fair or not, cause he's rusty or, or whatnot. I, like I said, if you want to make an excuse for him, fine. But if we want to get to where, you know, we want to be as a team, it, it's really on him the rest of the year, to be honest. I know there's fan unrest. I mean, how could there not be? This is a, a very proud fan base and bizarre circumstances be damned if you lose by 45, it's going to generate a big reaction. And, and the reaction has been certainly big for the last 24 hours or so. The, all, all I'll say right now is this. This team needs to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, yep. I think Chris Mack, he had a, a, a golden opportunity taken away from him last year. If Louisville, and I know they weren't playing that great down the stretch, but I think the pieces were still there for them. If they, again, you have to have the caveat of get the right draw, get a couple breaks. But I think they certainly had the offensive power to win a couple games, maybe more in the NCAA tournament. If you get that run, if Louisville goes to a regional final or even a Sweet 16 where maybe they're a 4-5 or five seed and they, they get beat by a good team in a competitive game to start the second weekend, I think that eases some of the concerns that the fan base has um, about anybody who is going to take over from Rick Pitino, anybody who is going to be in this position that Louisville is in right now. But you don't have that. Like He doesn't have that safety net to fall into. And I think most rational Louisville fans – went into the season with reasonable expectations. But one of those expectations, I don't, again, COVID situations be damned. It doesn't matter what, what, what extenuating circumstances we're talking about. You need to make the NCAA tournament. I, I think that's where the fan base is right now. 10 seed, 11 seed, first four, eight, nine seed, six seed, doesn't matter. Get into that field, see what happens, get this fixed. They've just, we can't afford to miss the NCAA tournament. If you don't hear your name called on Selection Sunday, it's going to be something that is met with extreme criticism from this fan base. And you're staring down a couple of years of uncertainty with the NCAA stuff, with recruiting, not being able to really get going until that, again, the, the dark ominous cloud is lifted. You got to make the NCAA tournament. It's, it's yeah. The, the scary part for me I don't want to say it's scary, but I'm starting to see a pattern. It, it's almost maybe the rest of the fan base is like this, too. It seems like I always have an excuse for Chris Mack. Like the first year, I mean, he took us to the tournament. We lost first round. Oh, hey, you know, those those weren't his players. You know, wait till he gets his guys in. Then next year, you know, it seems like we have a pretty good team. And unfortunately for him, COVID cuts him out of the tournament. They don't play. You know, that really is obviously a valid excuse because we never know what would have happened. And then this year, you know, has just been the craziest year with the two COVID pauses getting blown out. So it's like, oh, well, you know, we went on pause for, you know, 10 days and 20 days. Of course, that's going to happen. But like 
after a while, it's like I'm falling into a pattern here where there's always an excuse. And I mean, he just needs to perform. That's as simple as that. You know, that's what we hired him to do. Um, and like you said, it, it is a, it's going to be a huge black mark if he misses the tournament, um, just because of the uncertainty in the years that we have lying ahead here. The thing is the excuses are reasonable. Like, I, I know that's a, I know. I just hate that. I'm like, no, I hate him all the time. It's a, it's a, it's an awkward spot for everybody associated with Louisville basketball. And I, Jeff Greer and I had a conversation about this on his podcast a, a couple of times ago about how. This could wind up being the case for the first five, six, seven years of the Chris Mack tenure where he inherits a roster that's not his. That first team, you know, they have very little expectations. They overachieve, but the season ends on kind of a sour note because you get blitzed by a a very meh Minnesota team and Richard Pitino in the first round. Last year, I think you have to say that team didn't live up to its full potential. They were preseason top 10. They were trending more towards a a four or five seed when the season ended. But hey, who knows what would have happened? Like March gives, March takes away. You can erase a negative prior four months in the span of three weeks, or you can erase a great four months, four months. with a bad performance in the NCAA tournament. Maybe that team would have won the ACC tournament, gotten a great seed, and gone to a Final Four. Maybe they would have flamed out in the first round. You just don't know. And then now the excuses are obvious with the COVID season. Next year, who the hell knows what's going to be going, going on with the NCAA. If you get like a multi-year postseason ban only does that affect those seasons it affects recruiting for the years that are going to happen after them it's just going to be impossible to view him under a totally accurate lens but at the same time he knew what he was getting into he knew possible not not the global pandemic but he knew that there were going to be some odd years ahead of louisville he welcomed this challenge and if some of the criticism is going to be unfair he had to have known that that was going to be a possibility it's all just we're all in an awkward spot but again, it, I, I think we're all understanding of why Louisville is not where we expect the program to be. I, I think it's the it's one of the top six programs in the history of college basketball. When that's the case, you expect them to be competing for Final Fours or at least in the mix for uh, as a Final Four contender just about every year. They're not this year. They're probably not going to be next year if you're looking at the roster. Maybe, again, maybe some of these guys coming in are, are, are going to be better than I think they are and some of the players who are here are going to get better. But I think most Louisville fans are understanding of that. But you can't have a team with a potential lottery pick in David Johnson, a potential ACC player of the year in Carly Jones, and a five-star McDonald's All-American in Sam Williamson. You can't have that roster and miss the NCAA tournament. That's that's my whole big point. Make the NCAA tournament, Chris. You need to do this. Yeah, just put, I mean, whatever game plan you have for Tuesday, make it do or die. Because, I mean, uh, a lost Tuesday, you're, you are rude really putting yourself behind the eight ball. So, um, you know, if, if I see any like lack of effort or any signs of what we saw in the North Carolina game, you know, on Tuesday, I'm going to be very pissed off and also very disturbed. There are other things going on with Chris Mack uh, off the court that we're going to talk about here in just a second. But before we do that, reminding you guys, this podcast brought to you by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. If you're looking for new cards gear, Hit up homefieldapparel.com, click on their Louisville section. They've got the best retro gear that you're going to find anywhere. The softest hoodies, the softest t-shirts, the best deals. Use the promo code CARDCHRONICLE. That's going to save you 30% on your first order from Homefield Apparel. They're going to have more deals coming up here before the end of the month that we're going to to be uh, sharing with you. And also, if you're fans of just college gear in general, 
Homefield has D3 schools. They've got D2 schools. They've got a bunch of D1 schools. They've got retro gear for all of them. Just spend a, an afternoon on that website. You'll find the coolest college athletic apparel you're going to find anywhere. And you're going to save some money when you use that promo code Card Chronicle at checkout. Shout out to Homefield Apparel. Go there today, homefieldapparel.com. All right, moving on. Sunday morning. <laughs> discussion I think we all thought was going to be debate over the 45-point loss to UNC. How much does it hurt? Do you throw it out? Like all that generic stuff that we dealt with after the Wisconsin game. Instead, um, our fine friends over at Kentucky Sports Radio, I believe it was Drew Franklin who released the video first, post a, I I guess it's what, like 25-second video from, this is the first area of confusion that we have to clear up. It was not from last night. It was not from after the North Carolina game. It was from after the Louisville win over Kentucky back on December 26th. It's uh, Chris Mack. And it's, let's be open about it, friend of the program, uh, friend of the podcast, friend in general, Eric Wood. I think most people listening to this know uh, Wood has been a friend of the site since way back in its early days, friend of the pod and and just a a friend in general. It's Wood and Chris Mack uh, after the UK game. And it's mostly Eric Wood. These guys have been partying. It's very obvious they're intoxicated. It's Wood talking about how all of the Kentucky victories over UK under Calipari were more about Kenny Payne than, than they were about, <laughs> about Todd Calipari, saying that we're now 1-0 against UK after the, the Kenny Payne era and that we're never going to lose to them again with Kenny Payne being gone. Mac is sort of in the background. He's, he's got his arms around Wood. He's kind of like a rap hype man where he's just like, what? What? What's going on? Yeah. Like, he's not exactly delivering the messages. He's just kind of backing up Wood. But this video gets out, and I'll, I'll share my thoughts here for a second. What was your initial reaction, Dan? Well, when I opened it, like I was, my wife was sleeping next to me, so I didn't listen to the sound. I, I just got a, a face full of um, Eric, and he looked like he was cutting an NWO promo for for wrestling. Um, but like when I actually watched it, I mean. You know, if you want to get mad about like the COVID stuff, I'm not going to stop anyone from getting mad about that. Um, but like the the message itself to me, I mean, it was it was harmless. Like if you obviously that happened the night of the UL UK game or the, the day after, I, I don't know which day. But I mean, obviously, that's going to be a big milestone for Chris Mack to beat UK. When something like that happens, he's, he's probably not going to go home and play Monopoly. Um I'm sure that both Eric and and Coach Mac regret that it, it's gotten out, but uh, to me, it's it's a harmless video. I'm, of course, it's going to give the other side, you know, some ammo down the line in, in case you know if, if they were to to beat us next year. But and to me, I, I thought it was funny. Um, I like that it ignites the rivalry a little bit. Um, I'm not taking it as serious as it seems like some people from the other side are. Yeah, I mean, and for those who, who don't know, Mac and Wood are basically, they're neighbors. They live right next to each other. And my understanding, full disclosure, I've talked with Eric a little bit about this, just kind of texting back and forth. It was the night of the UK game. It was Mac, Wood, and I think just a couple of other neighbors who, who hang out on weekends. I, I'm with you. If you want to get mad about the COVID stuff and say, you know, the head coach shouldn't be seeing anybody besides his players and everybody he has to, like, I can I, I can understand that. But the whole... The other part of it is not that big of a deal to me. I, I kind of shrug it off. And even on the Kentucky side, I saw Matt Jones saying, like, I, 
I think this is funny. I'm not mad about it. I think it's good for the rivalry. There are two, I think, very funny elements to this video. The first is, you have to listen closely, but the part where Wood is like, we're never going to lose to him again. Like, back in the time, I was like, well, I don't know about never. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't know. I wouldn't say never. Like, like it's, it's very funny. The second funny part about this whole deal to me is, it's my, I have it on high authority, podcast scoop, done some podcast research here. Having a high authority that KSR got this video uh, on December 30th, a couple of days after the game or four days after the game. They've been hanging on to it. They've been waiting for a moment where there was positive Kentucky news and negative Louisville news on the same night. And they had to wait almost two fucking months for, <laughs> <laughs> for the oh, God. Yeah. Beat Tennessee, they actually look like a good team. Louisville, I mean, takes a just a almost 100-year whipping at the hands of North Carolina. They finally get to send this out into the the internet and let people go crazy over it. But I'm with you. The, the other thing that I'll say is if Louisville is somehow able to keep beating Kentucky, if they beat them next year and get on like a run where they beat them four or five years in a row, all of a sudden that video becomes legendary. And even the people who are mad about it right now are like, what a shot like Eric Wood. I mean – Wood's got a lot riding on next year's game. If I find him, he does. I'm he does. Up and I'm doing whatever I can. Like he's he needs Louisville to win that game. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you this: if if uh, Kentucky did win the game next year, do, do you think Cal makes some sort of return video? How do you think he's going to handle it? Like, is he going to act like he didn't see it, which is what he he usually does, and then make some like backhanded comment about it later? How do you think he's going to approach it? Oh, I think you're exactly right. I, I think he lies in wait here. I, I think he just – he's a snake on the bottom of the ocean floor who's waiting for his prey to come to him. Like, he, he's waiting for the perfect moment to strike. He knows that he can't – I mean, they've won, what, three games in a row? They've beaten some shitty SEC teams in, in Tennessee. He's still not in a position of power right now. He, he still knows that a solid chunk of his fan base is very upset about the way this season has gone and kind of the way that the last couple of seasons have gone before this – He's not in the typical position of Cal Power. He's got to have more. He's got to have more ammo, and I think the ammo that he has to have is a win over Louisville. Like if you if you try to fire back right now, even your most adamant supporters still kind of say, eh, you know, you're you're five games under 500. Louisville beat you. They get to celebrate. You kind of have to shut up. If they beat, if they do win next year, though, would not be shocked at all if there's a Cal video, a, a Cal basement video, like. Well, he's not the he's not the focal point. He's not the guy. He's not the main event. But he's just kind of sitting there laughing. Or they'll do something. Like I would not be shocked at all if Cal loves this. He secretly loves this. He he misses the Rick days. There's no question about it. Yeah, and I mean, as big of Louisville fans as we are, and I'm sure some of the listeners, there is not going to be a bigger Louisville fan out there than basketball fan than my man Eric Wood in these next couple of years. Because um, especially during that day, because if not, uh, his his face is going to be getting a whole lot of mileage on the Twitter sphere, um, which I'm sure, I mean, Eric's awesome. I'm sure he's, he'll be good with it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's fun. I, you know, I, I like to go back and forth with UofL UK. I mean, at least like we're, I don't, we're not even calling this a scandal, but at least like, you know, we've kind of downgraded like the dramatic things that happen off the court from the last couple of years. Like if this is the worst we have to deal with, I'm completely fine with it. That was I, actually, I should have led with that. Cause that was my initial takeaway when all these Dougie fans were like, Oh my God, like Louisville fans, it just keeps getting worse. Like, how are you guys dealing with this? I'm like, motherfucker, I've been writing a 
strippers and whores and whether bathing suit tops are bra and panties or whether they're the equivalent. You think this is going to phase me? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, Jesus, we've been fed the lions. Like, this is literally child's play. I'm, we're, we're staring down a full decade of having to deal with bullshit and not having a quote-unquote normal college basketball season. And you think a former NFL player talking about how Kenny Payne was the real reason for Calipari's success with Mac being drunk in the background is going to you know, somehow embarrass us? Shut the fuck up. Like, like <sighs> Yeah. We've been dead for years. Like, this this is nothing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> dude, I, I have, to be honest, I mean, now that, like, the videos resonated for a couple hours, like, I fully embrace it. Like, I hope if we win next year, they make a second video. Like, I really want them to just, yes. like, like I said, go, like, NWO style and, and, and just start building a posse and adding more people to the video. But, no, it's fun, man. I mean, um, that's just, like I said, kind of what makes the rivalry what it is. We take every little small thing that happens and just totally blow it up. Like the fact that this, you know, 20-second video got as much mileage as it did all over the Internet this morning, you know, pretty much shows that we don't have a whole lot to, whole lot more to talk about besides basketball in this state. Yeah, I do love that when I first see the video, I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, yeah, it's 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 – it's not the greatest look in the world. It's kind of a, if we beat them next year, I mean, I'm putting that video on my timeline in, in 0.5 seconds. It's the first thing I'm doing. I'm sharing the video again. I'm putting it out there. I'm excited about it. And I'm, I'm with you. It, it doesn't really bother me all that much. It, would I have preferred for it to stay in house? Yeah. And that's the other thing I know everybody's wondering, like, how did it get out? How did it get out? And Wood's not overly concerned about it. I think he, he knows uh, how this happened and it's just, you know, people text, friends that they think are, are, are friends and people, some people just sort of betray that faith and it, it, it happens. It's stuff. It's whatever. But, um, like I, I think in the long term, if UK beats you next year, like that's going to get thrown in your face a little bit, but outside of that, it's not, the, it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, just look at any, any day of national news and look at what's happening with like celebrities that we thought we love that are, are saying terrible things or doing terrible things. This is not, it's a blip it's whatever i think the main takeaway here what we've learned um is but trust the guys in your text thread for sure if there's one that you think is going to show this to their wife or text it to their wife and it might leak out um you may want to reevaluate what gets put on that thread um but i mean yeah, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure Eric and, and Chris Mack are probably like, oh, man, I wish this wouldn't have got out. But I don't think they're going to lose much sleep over it. I'm choosing to blame Chuck Smurt is where I'm <laughs> That's a, Whenever something fucks up, we'll go right to Chuck. Somehow Smurt got on the text thread. Like, that's that's what happened here. Like, he's – we had a lot of confidence in him. We paid him $1.2 million not to share that video, and it just – he did it right away. Like, I feel like Chuck Smart would be that guy. He would accidentally do it. He would be like, oh, my God, I thought I was sending it to to Eric. I accidentally sent it to Eric Crawford, and now it's everywhere. I thought I was sending it to Wood, and it just got in the hands of KSR, just like that. Like, that's – yeah, I don't know. But I don't – like you, like we've said a billion times, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I, I think it's just – if it hadn't come – if this had come on the heels of us beating North Carolina by 45 points, I think the same people who are a little bit upset about it would probably love it. Like, that's just – it's just a pile-on deal. And you, you know what the best part is of, like, you not having to be on radio anymore? 
is you're not going to have to like dissect every second of this video and talk about it for a week straight when really you should just talk about it for a minute and say it's not a big deal and move on. Like that's the best part about podcasting that we probably, you know, won't talk about this until next year's UK game. It's if I had to do three hours on this tomorrow, I mean, I'd, I'd rather have a bowl in my brain. Like (laughs) I couldn't do it. And just every call, there's everybody having a different thought. It's not even a different thought. It's everybody having the same thought and having to hear it regurgitated every 15 minutes from people who weren't listening earlier. It's just, yeah, that would be too much for me. I'm I'm happy to move on here. The, the good thing about having the shortened schedule this week with Louisville playing Saturday, Tuesday, as opposed to Saturday, Wednesday, or Saturday, Thursday, is there's less time to talk about this. If we, again, if we beat Notre Dame on Tuesday, a lot of the negative vibes that are floating around right now get pushed aside. We're staring down three exciting games to finish the season instead of three scary games to finish the season. And people are back talking about seeding and talking about um, all the stuff that we love to be talking about in late February. But right now, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit difficult, which is why we did this podcast now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, last night, like I said, I, I went into the game with the Cosmo Kramer, like Serenity Now, like, you know, nothing's going to hurt me no matter what. But, like, somehow by the end, like, it was where, like, his apartment got absolutely trashed. And he's just sitting down in the hall. He's like, serenity now, serenity now. Like, that's totally how I was. I was like, how did this happen? And, like, if we lose Tuesday, I'm going to explode and, and throw basically the equivalent of throwing all George Costanza's computers out the window. Because um, I'm already tense for Tuesday. And we're still two days away. So if you have a lucky outfit. A lucky drink, a lucky chair. I mean, bust it out for Tuesday because this is a big one. All right, we're going to wrap up here. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Please give us a rating. Please leave a review. We love re- we'll always read the reviews here to try to give you a little bit of extra incentive to put those out there. One review today, one new review. It's a little bit of a long one. Jay Ballman 13 says the subject of the comment is uh, the best around. He says, this is the best UofL sports show, and it's not even close. The podcast features two amazing hosts, one who has a tenuous grasp on the English language at best, and the other treats his listeners like an absentee father in a 90s movie. He promises to show up, quote, two podcasts a week, he says. Will it happen? No. <laughs> Check every day to see if there's a new podcast. Absolutely. The best is when they post a podcast on the day of a game so you don't even have an opportunity to listen to it before the game. Even then, it's still a better listen than any other UofL radio show where they talk about betting on horses or something else no one cares about. In all seriousness, this podcast has the perfect mix of sports talk and humor. Listening is like talking with your friends about the games. Mike and Dan are clearly the future of local sports media, or the show could be over tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, perfect review. It was like 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 a couple of the reviews before. Like It's almost too perfect, or like how scary accurate everything he said in there was. Yeah, like we don't try to hide from our deficiencies. You guys know us. We're we're, we're the genuine artifact. Uh, we're just as dumb and and silly as it's as we sound on the podcast. That's who we are, and we care about all this shit way too much. And that's that's the way the podcast is going to be. It's true to ourselves. We will, on that note, have another podcast coming to you uh, this week. Certainly after the Notre Dame game. Hopefully we're talking about a win. Hopefully we're getting ready for a big-time weekend game uh, against Duke, and we're talking about the, the more positive stuff than we wanted to talk about for the last 45 minutes here. But until we do – Hold on, real quick. Ahead, before, you, before you sign off, what do you think the spread's going to be Tuesday? For the Notre Dame game? Yes. Um, let me see what Ken Palm has real quick here. Louisville, 54th on Ken Palm. Jesus. Um, 
Notre Dame is 57th on Ken Palm. Ken Palm has us winning by three. God, three game, three point. I, I would guess it's probably around three. I think the odds makers will stick pretty closely to his uh, prediction, and I'll say Louisville opens as a three point favorite. Okay. Yeah. I I was thinking. I actually thought it was going to be maybe like mm, around like one and a half or two, but I'll, I'll I guess I'll take three. I don't know. I mean, coming off a of, being a favorite after a 45-point loss is, is uh, I guess, a little bit more reassuring. But I guess we'll just have to see how it turns out. Don't you fuck us now, Mike Bray. Like, been- Seriously. I mean, we've we've loved you. We've fucking given you so much love on this podcast. Do not fuck us right now. You've got nothing to play for. We've got everything to play for. Don't do this to us, Mike. Just We, we love you on this podcast. We will be forced to hate you if Tuesday night goes poorly. Uh, again, we'll be back this week. We'll talk more. Thanks so much for tuning into this special Sunday podcast. Uh, until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards.